What is a good plan for adolescent brain growth? Well, given what we know about brain development, teachers can improve student learning in many ways, like presenting limited amounts of new information to accommodate for short-term memory, or providing lessons that are varied or hands-on using art and music, or providing activities that require problem-solving and critical thinking. Brain growth is enhanced and strengthened through practice and exercise, after all. The classroom should be an active, stimulating place with a wide variety of approaches to reinforce learning. So what is a good life growth plan? Excuse me? What is a good life growth plan? Sorry, I don't follow. Well, that may be true with you. What is your life growth plan? Do you even have one? Because we plan every single day. We all plan. You planned this morning. Some of you might be thinking, I don't plan. I just show up wherever I'm going to be. No, you plan. You plan what you're going to wear this morning. Some of you, by the way you look, you planned very well. And I'm not going to say anything else about anybody else because we all plan what we're going to do. We plan every single day. You might be thinking, but I don't plan. That's my plan. Well, your plan is no plan. Even a no plan is a plan. And some of you are on the no plan plan. That's just the way you live. But we all plan. So this morning, we're going to learn why it's important to have a life growth plan. Why is it important to even grow in our life? What does that mean? What does it mean to grow in life? We learned last week that we don't automatically grow spiritually. We don't automatically grow in our life. We automatically grow physically. But we don't automatically grow in our life, intellectually or spiritually. That's something we do intentionally. So you can take out your bulletin, and, and in your bulletin there are the notes that will help you to follow, follow along. And if this is your first time here to New Hope Hilo, Hawaii, we welcome you. The notes will help you. They have scriptures on there, just in case you don't have your Bibles. Uh, but for those of us who bring our Bibles, then you can open your Bibles up, and we can thumb through the pages. What are the benefits of living and having a life growth plan because that's really what we want to come to is what is what are the benefits what do i gain from having a life growth plan well if you think about it whenever you plan something you you want to gain something from it that's why you plan some of you guys organize things very well and you can plan things very well you, your desk at work is neat while the person next to you is not you plan things to the T, and that's how you operate in your marriage. Your spouse does not. Everything is spontaneous, and you always have the, I told you we were doing this today, and they're going to respond with, you didn't tell me. Yes, I did tell you. No, you didn't tell me. And so you have two conflicting interests at the same time. Planning is important, but why is it important for us to plan life? And it's not just the kind of planning like I'm going to college, this is my career. Those things are great. And that may be a part of it, but it's not the whole of a life growth plan. It takes more effort to plan for life. The reason why we do this, the reason why we plan to have a life growth plan, or the reason why we implement one, is so that we can have a better life. So that we can be happier, more joyful, more loving, more lovable. That's why we put these plans in place. There is an end result for this, but it's not the only thing and the only reason why we plan. 
And that's what we want to talk about today. There's, a, uh, there's like a knowledge gap in looking at that video. We can have the, the greatest intellects tell us what life is all about and how we should live. And we do read books, and that's a part of having a life growth plan. We try to learn from other things. But I wonder if we try to become so intellectual in our life that we miss out on living a life that everything is up here and there's no more joy uh, everybody makes mistakes you're never wrong and so we have this knowledge but our life is not growing we're the same year after year and there's no progress in our life that's that knowledge gap and that knowledge gap tells us we don't know how to grow I mean, if I were to ask you, hey, what, what are you doing today? You might have a plan. You might say, oh, we're going to go to the beach, or we're just going to eat lunch, or what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, I work, or I'm off tomorrow, so I was going to the beach, or I was going camping or fishing, whatever it would be. You, you have some plans like that. But if I were to ask you, what is your life growth plan? Could you answer that right away? See, we plan all the time. And sometimes we'll even ask that question to people and they can answer it right away. Like when you're shopping and, and we ask questions we can self-answer. You know, they're in the store shopping and you say, so what, shopping? It's a self-answerable question, but you can answer it quickly. In fact, you don't even need the other person to tell you what they're doing. If they're cruising at the beach, so what, cruising? Yeah, that's why I'm here. So we already can answer those things. At a, at a drop of a dime, we can answer what we're planning and what we're doing. But when we ask what is your life growth plan? Harder to answer. We can't just throw that out because for many of us, here's the truth. We don't have a life growth plan. We work, we take care of our family, and that's it. There's no life growth plan. We don't grow in our life. We gain experience, but we have yet to grow. And so God wants to help us to grow in our life. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, and you have your notes. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you. This scripture has so many promises in it. But the main thing that God tells us is that he has plans for us. See, if God has plans for us, then the question is, how do we live out those plans? How do, we, how do we even know what those plans are? See, we can all develop a life plan that causes growth in our life by implementing three important disciplines, and we're going to go over that this morning. And I'm going to give you all three right now, and then we'll go into detail of each one. But the, the disciplines are to reflect, to replan, and then to renew. To reflect, to replan, and then to renew. And we're going to go over the first one, to reflect. And, and to reflect is, it, we do this all the time. Whenever we see ourselves in a reflection or we see our reflection, we react to it. Women are really good at this because you guys have like a makeup face. Like every time you look in the mirror, your makeup face comes on. And you know your makeup face. If you were to hold up a mirror to your face right now, you would automatically make your makeup face. I'm not going to do it because everybody does their makeup face differently, but I'm sure you know what you're, I'm talking about. Men, we don't have no reaction to our, our face or anything like that. We just look at our body. That's what we do. We look at, oh, yeah, okay, still good, pal. That's about it. 
But we all have a reaction to our reflection. And the reason for that is because we have, a, we have hardwired, built inside of us, in how God created us, to react to our reflection. Something takes place in our subconscious and in our brains when we see ourselves. It's supposed to be there because God wants to use that reflection or how we see ourselves to point us back to Him. It's always there. We can't get away from that. When you see your reflection in the face, if there's something wrong or something uh, on your face, you're going to take care of it. You're going to do something about it. And it's the same with our lives. When there's an area in our lives, we need to do something about it. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 20, verses 30, and, uh, 30 through 34, here's the observation that the, the author puts down in Proverbs. I passed by the field of a sluggard. So he made an observation. This guy was a sluggard. And by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw... I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. In other words, what he's saying is in order for you to change, in order for you to change your life, you need to change the way you think. When he sees this situation, he observes he gets, he gets instruction, he receives instruction, and then he does something about it. There's a, it's almost like there's a reaction that takes place when you reflect. But if you don't reflect on it, you're never going to receive any instruction. If we never reflect on our lives and what God wants to do, we're never going to receive instruction. And even if instruction were to come our way, we won't even see it. Why? Because we're not reflecting upon anything. We're just saying, I'm going to live my life to whatever happens. And then we keep going through the same things over and over. Or we just never grow in our lives. We never grow in our marriage. We never grow in our love for one another. Our family stays the same. We, we grumble about the same things every day. And after a while, that's what our family looks like. It looks like a family full of grumblers. And all we do is complain and fight. And the only time things are going well is when no one is at home. We're at our separate places like, oh, I love this. I'm all by myself. But we never grow because we're not reflecting. And what reflection does, especially this time of the year, the beginning of the year, we start to ponder on the things we could have done better from last year. But it takes more than just reflecting because you cannot change your life unless you change something every day. And it needs to be every day because that's the type of discipline that is required for us to change the way we think and the way our lives, our lives operate. You, when you reflect, it, it may be like one of those uh, like first steps, you know, like a crack in the door. If I'm carrying something heavy or if I'm going to the car to grab groceries or something heavy, I just open the door a little bit and then I go to the car and, and whatever I need to do. And then when I come back, if it's something heavy, I can just kick the door open because it's already open. That's what reflection does. When you reflect, there may be some things that you think about and you say, boy, I got to do better in that. Yesterday when I yelled at so-and-so or, oh boy, when I reacted this way, I got to do better. That's what reflection does. It may be just a crack in the door, but when God gives you instruction, then 
after a while, you can say, here's my plan, Lord. This is what I'm going to implement so that I can grow in this area. And some people, they learn the hard way. I've learned the hard way. Many of us, we've learned the hard way. And we always say, hard head, learn hard way. But with God, we cannot be hard-headed with God. We have to be soft-hearted so that when he speaks, we can receive instruction, especially when we're reflecting on the things that he wants to correct in our lives. I found it a much better way in learning that it's much better to grow your life intentionally. Not just by, oh, made a mistake. Okay, I learned from that. Oh, made a mistake again. I'm going to learn from that. And that's fine because we're going to make mistakes. But did you know that if you put a life growth plan together, you minimize mistakes. And major ones too because you have a life growth plan. If you have a life growth plan, you eliminate things that will make you or take you backwards. You, you minimize those things. And sometimes we have to cut things out so that we can grow in our life. James 1, 23 through 25 it says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. There's a law of diminishing intent that says the longer you take to do something you should do now, the greater the odds that you will never actually do it. That's the law of intent, uh, diminishing intent. The longer you take to do something you know you should do now, the greater the odds that you will never actually do it. And I'll illustrate it in this way. And I, I need you to uh, uh, partner up with me on this one, okay? Uh, I need you to hold up five fingers, just real quick. Just hold up your hand, five fingers. And this is a, a test for all of us, okay? It's not, a, it's not a pass or fail kind of thing. It's just how our minds may operate. Okay, so hold up five fingers, okay? And it's a quick test. I want you to, as quick as possible to answer this. I'm drawing, these are my frogs, okay? So excuse the frogs. Uh, these are, so we have five frogs. That's what you're... Your um, fingers represent. Gotta have one girl. And, um, okay, this guy is, he's, let's make him with a, uh, kind of thing, okay. Uh, and then the last frog is cruising on the side over here. Like. Let's put the mustache on that guy. So you have five frogs. Five frogs are on this log. One decides to jump off. How many are left? <laughs> Four or five. The correct answer is five. Why? Because just because you decided doesn't mean you did. My ka'i, for those of you who said five. You can put your hands down. The reason why some of us said five is we understand the concept or we heard this before. The reason why some of us said four is because it sounds logical. When you decide to do something, that means it already happened. But that's not true. We make decisions all the time that we don't follow through with. That's where the law of diminishing intent comes in. Deciding to have a life growth plan is not enough. Deciding to say, I'm going to do this different this year is not enough. 
Because decisions change all the time and it takes more than deciding. The Bible says it takes obedience. And that's what we just read. If you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing in the mirror, seeing your face in a mirror. You see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like. The Bible is saying, don't forget. There's obedience that's required. When you reflect, God's going to give you instruction, but then now you obey. If you wait till you're ready, then it's never going to happen. Some of us wait till we're ready to grow. Some of us wait till we say, well, when I get my act together, then I'm going to grow in the Lord. Uh, when my spouse gets her act together, when my spouse gets his act together, when my children do this, when this happens, then I'll do this. We'll never be ready to grow in our life because we're never ready to grow in our life. It's something we do intentionally. It's something you put your hands to because the reality is you will never grow as much as if you go ahead and develop a life growth plan and do it before you're ready. It has to be a decision that we make to say, I'm going to grow in my life. I'm, I'm just going to make a decision. I'm going to grow. So when you reflect, you're reflecting so that you can get back on purpose. And this is what I want my life to look like. Now, how do I get there? That's where replan comes in, the second point. We reflect, but then we, we replan. And the reason why we replan is because we've developed over time a plan for our own lives. And for, again, for some of us, our plan for our lives is what we're doing. That's the plan for our life. But it's not a, it's not a plan that we're growing in. It's a plan just to survive and maintain. It's not progressing to a, another level of growth. It's not trying to improve our marriage or trying to improve our family or trying to improve ourselves or our relationship with God. We're just saying, well, this is what I put in place. This is, I just do this all the time. It's my routine. And that's fine if it's part of your life growth plan. In other words, are you growing somewhere, not just going somewhere? Because we can exist in life, but we're not growing in life. God says, I, wanna, I want you to grow into maturity. I'm doing something in your life, but you need to partner with me because I have a life growth plan for you. We always say this, when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So having a life growth plan is, is part of, of succeeding with what God has given to us, that he has plans for us. They're for good and not for evil. And when you can think clear and you're clear about your life growth plan and what you want in life, it's like growth opportunities respond with clarity. It's much more clear. You can see those opportunities more. But if you just live your life, you won't even see those growth opportunities. You'll see them as people picking on you. You'll see it as people uh, putting you down. You'll see it as unfair treatment. You'll see it as all of these uh, rather than, wait, God, you're growing me in my life. So if your boss were to take you into their office as a Christian and they take you in and they say, uh, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. This is what we're paying you for. You need to get on the ball. You can get defensive or you can say, hey, boss, I have a couple questions. You know, when you said yesterday I didn't do this, is there anything I can be doing better? Is there anything you can see in me that I could be doing better? Yeah, you could, you could do your job. Okay. Are there any books that you would recommend? Any, any training that you would recommend? And you, if you take the initiative to say, I want to grow in my life, who wouldn't want to give you opportunities? 
But if we're always being defensive, going behind everybody's back and saying, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, the boss, this, that, the company. I can understand where the situation can, or how the situation can be not a good situation. But if you're saying, God, you have a life growth plan for me. And if this is part of it, I want to learn as much as I can. I want to replan my life according to your plans that you have for my life. We replan all the time. We change plans all the time. How about replanning our life? That before we came to know Christ, we had our own plans, but now we came to know God. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. And we cannot live out his plans by hanging on to ours. And one of the reasons why we replan and, and part of the way to grow and, and, and have this life growth plan when you're replanning is to keep the end in mind. Don't just think about today and, okay, this, I need to do this today, which is a part of it, but that's not the end. Keep the end in mind. That's what many people do uh, in art or uh, the entertainment industry with film and, and uh, movies. They, they try to think, what do we want the end result to be? What do we want our customers to leave with? And they keep that in mind because that's their goal. It's like their motivation. See, for us, if we just say, uh, for instance, you know, New Year's resolutions, the number one is dieting. If we just say, I want to eat healthier, but we have no end in mind, we're not going to eat healthier because we will always say, oh, we have the birthday party this weekend. You know what, just, you know, after the birthday party, after the birthday party, then someone has a wedding reception or a wedding rehearsal and there's a wedding dinner, you know, after the wedding dinner and then all that. Next thing you know, you're back in December and you're saying, you know what, after Christmas, the holidays, because there's all the parties and then years go by, 15 years go by, and say, eh, no need. So something needs to take place. There needs to be an end in mind. Something that uh, helps me, and this is a principle that I use when I keep the end in mind. Uh, I'll use it as, as an example. Health. In my 20s, I could eat food, pound food. I could just eat whatever I wanted to, and it was fine. My metabolism was up. Energy level was up. I was very active uh, with our youth ministry, so I was constantly on the go. And so I could eat whatever I wanted to because I would burn it off just like that. And then something called slow metabolism kicked in in my 30s. But before that, someone told me, because they were later on in the years than me, they were in their 30s when I, when I was in my 20s, they said, if you keep eating like that, you're going to look like me. And they meant that in a helpful way to me because they they weren't eating healthy and they, they were dealing with some health problems and so I took that to heart and I said wait a minute then if this is my discipline now and I just eat whatever I want I'm gonna have to change some things so by the time I hit my 30s my eating habits are different I'm not gonna wait till my 30s to change my eating habits I got to develop that now because it took me 15 years to watch my eating habits and then by the time I entered my 30s, I had to say, wait a minute, in my 40s, my metabolism is going to slow down even more. So what do I have to do in my 30s to change so that in my 40s, I'm okay? And so certain disciplines had to kick in. In my 30s, I really didn't have to exercise as much because I was still active with the youth and we'd play sports or whatever. But now, it's like I have to intentionally stay healthy. I have to intentionally not eat certain things. I have to intentionally exercise. And here's the end in mind. It's not narcissism. It's not self-centeredness. It's not so that we look good. That's a byproduct, the, the health looking side of it. That's a byproduct. The end in mind to me is that I can serve God better. 
I don't want to be unhealthy, unfit for the use of the king. If the king says, hey, you need to do this, you need to pray for someone, you need to go on this trip, you need to do this, I'm ready to go. But if I'm unhealthy and I can't, then God can't use me. I'm limiting what God can do through the life that he planned for me. And so I say, Lord, then I I I gotta make some disciplines. I gotta put together put together some things in place and so one of my motivations keeping the end in mind like if I go running and I see a hill and if you're a runner and you go running jogging you hate hills if you love hills then good for you God bless you but when I see these hills I'm like oh there's another hill so this is what I said in my mind I had to change the way I thought instead of saying there's a hill I picture running with my grandchildren So I call it the Grand Hill. So when I see a hill, I'm like, here's the Grand Hill, and I sprint up the thing. To me, it's a sprint, but probably to people, oh, look, the guy jogging. So, but to me, it feels like a sprint. So I'll run up the hill, and I'll I'll call my grandkids by name. And I'll say, come on, Jaden, let's go. Come on, Landon, you can do this. Come on, Oakley, let's go, let's go, let's go. Now, Landon is two years old, Oakley's five months old, and Jaden is four years old. But... That's the end in mind, that I can stay healthy, not just for God, but for my family, for my grandchildren. Then one day, they're going to run with me, and they're going to be saying, come on, Papa, come on, Papa. But I don't want them to, I want to enjoy life with them. That's the end in mind. I'm not just running to run or staying healthy. We don't just eat healthy just so that we can say, oh, I lost 12 pounds. And that's great if that can happen. But what's the end result? What's the end in mind? Because if we don't have something tangible, something eternal, we're going to give up. Because it's easy to give up. It's easy to give up when you have no end in mind because there's no purpose. And so in everything we do, we have a purpose in why we do what we do. Luke 14, 28 through 30. It says, is there anyone, anyone here who planning to build a new house, which that's the end in mind, the new house, doesn't first sit down and figure the cost so you'll know if you can complete it. If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. The Bible is telling us that in order to build something new, and in this case, the illustration of a new house, you're going to have to count the cost. You're, you're going to have to make a decision that you're going to have to have the end in mind. And in this case, it's a new house. There's an end in mind. And if you're a construction worker or you build homes, you know that just getting the foundation and framework up is part of the way there. There's so much more to go. But you don't give up halfway and say, you know, we work all this time and all we have is on cement slab, plumbing, and the walls framed. It's not even looking like the, the, the final product. Forget it. No, you keep the end in mind. That's your goal. That's the end. You're, you're keeping that in mind because that's what's going to motivate you. And so when you're putting together a life growth plan, it's not so that you get organized. Why are you getting organized? Well, I want to have more time with my family. That's eternal. Well, why, why do you want to cut out some things from your life? What's the purpose? Well, I have, so I have more time. More time for what? More time for myself. For yourself? For what? What are you going to do? Uh, I don't know. There needs to be something else that's, that's eternal. 
Otherwise, temporary things will go away. But if you have something eternal, something that God gives to you that can say, boy, Lord, this is something worth my time, something that you put into my life, then you chase after that. Why? Because he knows the plans that he has for us. It's for good. It's not for evil. It's to give us a future and a hope. God knows the specifics. But he designs each person's life differently. That's why with all of our lives, we can, we can, we can do things different, but, but for some reason, biblical principles can work for everyone. That's why we can all hear the word of God together, but all receive things differently. Why? Because God's principles never change. It can be used in every single person's life, even though our situations are different. God says, I'm that specific with you. I can be that detailed with you when I give you a life growth plan. I can help you even though things change from person to person. God says, I can specifically teach you new things. And the Bible teaches us how to approach growth. It's that key that unlocks the door to this new house. But we have to put in the work to actually grow. It's, it's our responsibility. We all have dreams, we have aspirations, we have goals that we want to achieve. And we constantly, constantly look to those things. But we, in order for us to achieve them, we, we gotta grow. And if we don't grow, then that means we, we're not thinking with the end in mind. We're just thinking of what is happening today. If you're like I was, and, and if you're like most people, there's mistakes that you've made mistakes that I've made, and it gives us a belief that keeps us away from our God-given potential, our past, the things we've said, our, the attitude that we had yesterday, or even other people that they take us off of God's plan, situations that come up that we don't know how to, we don't know how to deal with and problems that delay our life growth plan with God. We don't, we don't know how to deal with those things, but God says when you replan, now you're back on my plan. And we replan so that we don't make the same mistakes that we made yesterday. That's why we keep replanning with God. See, our flesh and our sinful nature will keep pulling us back from God's plan. And even though you may feel like, okay, I'm being pulled, replan. Oh, I'm being pulled, replan. I made a mistake, replan. Okay, I know what I did yesterday, shucks, wrong plan. Here's the best plan. Maybe, maybe you got involved with uh, a situation and, and you're at a party and, and it went bad. Maybe you got into a fight, an argument, and now you're, you're, you, know, you have a record or whatever it would be. You know that that's not a good plan to go to a party with those people that will pull you away. Now, it's nothing against the people. It's the situation you put yourself in. And so the, the more we train our minds to replan, then the more we can make those decisions so that we obey. Now God says, now that you're replanning, I can implement my plan for your life. So you reflect, you replan, but then you renew. And that's the last thing, we renew. Take time to renew because time is valuable. And we want to utilize time wisely. We want to do, do it well. We want to we spend our time well. And we want to make a difference with the time that we've given, we've been given from God. And renewing is not easy. It's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, when I first got my driver's license, I was a teenager. 
And when I receive my driver's license, you know, they'll do eye exams and, and things like that. But when you, for years down the line, when you try and renew your license, in fact, when I went to renew my license, you know, the, the first time when I could look at the eye exam, they'll say, okay, just say where the dot is, top, bottom, left, right. I'll just look at the thing, top, left, bottom, right, bottom, bottom, top, left, right. Done. Perfect. Now it's like, where's the dot? Top, left. <laughs> it's like, the time I won the sun staring contest when I was six is now catching up with me in my 40s. So it's not as easy to renew. Hearing tests. When we were little kids, you know, they had that high pitch and low pitch. Boom. You can do that. Now it's... So let me know where we're going to start. Uh, we're done. We went through all 10. <laughs> okay. The other week, uh, I was with Heidi and I asked her, hey, so what are you doing? She says, I'm cooking breakfast. And then she said, I was wondering, should I wash the dishes or should I not wash the dishes? And so I said, well, you know, just thinking, oh, I wonder if she's saying that because there were dishes in the sink and some of that is mine. And so I told her, I said, you know, Heidi, I, you know, we're a good team. And so I try to help washing dishes once in a while. And she's staring at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, yeah, so, you know, I try to wash dishes so that it's, you know, I wash some and not wait for it to pile up. And, and so, yeah, you, if you want to, you can, you can, whatever. And she's looking at me like, what are you talking about? I said, wait, what did you say? She said, I was saying, should I or should I not wash my hair? Because it's going to be wet and I don't know if I want it. Right. And I, I said, oh, I thought you said you, you wanted to know if you should or should not wash dishes. She goes, you got to check your hearing. And I actually said, what? Because I didn't hear what she said. <laughs> so I guess I need to. But if you start renewing and, and you go back to do a hearing test later on in life, maybe through those years, damage occurred. Maybe your eyesight was damaged. Maybe your hearing was damaged. When you renew with the Lord, maybe there's damage that took place, hurt feelings, whatever took place. That's why renewal is important. Here's the mistake many of us make. We never renew with the Lord. We just keep going on with whatever happened. There was a hurt, too bad, their fault. Not going to deal with it. Uh, unforgiveness, going to keep that in. Bitterness. I'm not going to deal with that. Oh, they're supposed to be Christians. I'm not going to deal with that. So we keep that rather than renewing our commitment to the Lord. That's why renewing is so important. We first start with commitment to God. Start renewing with the Lord. Remember the first time you received Christ, the first time you, you walked through the doors of a church or this church and, and you just felt the love of God and, and you received him into your heart. You said, I will give my life for you. I will serve you. I will give to you. I will do whatever you ask me to do. And you did. And then you got hurt. Someone said something. Someone complained to you. You found fault. Someone found fault in you. And then something happened here hurt feelings, may have been intentional, may have been in, uh, unintentional, but the fact of the matter is there's hurt there. And you've since lost the joy of the Lord. And you have no more strength left. And the joy that you once felt, you feel like I can never feel that anymore because of this, 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 and this. And although that may be true and, and your, your, your case is valid, it's not accurate when it comes to living with a life growth 
plan because we got to renew all the time. We got to renew the way we think. We got to renew our commitment to the Lord. And instead of saying, Lord, this is why I don't, this is why I'm not, this is why I ain't going to do this anymore, this is why I, I bailed out, this is why I'm more cautious. Instead of going on the negative, say, Lord, this is why. This is why I'm going to renew my commitment with you. You have plans for me. You have a purpose for my life. You have a future. You have a hope for me. This is why I received you into my life because you are the hope for my life. There's no other reason why I'm going to renew except because you asked me to, because you have a future for me. And it's like God says, we can dust off the plans now. We can renew our plans with him or her because they renewed their commitment to me. Let's go. And God sends out his army of angels to continue to progress the life that he planned for you and I. He says, this is the life I promised you. And that never happens unless we say, I'm going to renew my commitment to you. I'm going to renew my heart with you. Why do you think we're doing this connecting conference? The connecting conference is so that we connect with God. Yeah, we're going to connect together with, uh, with one another in small groups and Bible studies, activity groups, and, and uh, devotional groups. But the most important relationship we are going to connect to is God. That's the most important one. All other relationships flow out of our relationship with God. And you may think, no, I'm just going to be me and God, me and God. That's not healthy at all. God says to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. It's included in it. It's not separate from it. Because God has purpose. He has a purpose and he has a plan for us. Renewing takes courage. It takes strength. It takes willingness. And if you've lost that strength, then maybe this will help. Isaiah 40, verse 31, says, but those who trust in the Lord for help will find their strength renewed. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow weak. Renew your commitments with God. That's where our strength comes from. He's going to renew that. He's going he's to cause us to mount up with wings like eagles. And then what we used to deal with will mature, will grow in our life so that we can overcome it when it comes up again so that we'll be stronger for the next time, so that we renew our commitments with our spouse, with our family. We renew our commitments with serving, with, with the things that God has put in our lives. We make those commitments. I remember when you first got married, the vows that you made with one another. It's a commitment you've made, not just with you and your spouse, but with God also. And it was so cute when, you, you know, when, you, when you're, you're saying your vows, some of you, you know, you're tearing up, you're crying, and you were just all bust up. You didn't care about, you know, your makeup running or, you know, running nose, whatever. You just, hey, I love you this much, so I'm going to commit to you to death do us part. And you made that commitment. But we've since forgotten that because so long has passed by, so much time. And God says it's time to make that renewal in your life. And in order for us to achieve new things in our future, we need a new plan for today. We gotta renew those plans. Personal growth just doesn't happen on its own. You must plan personal growth. No one else is gonna do this for you. No one is gonna do this for me. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. It says, so get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to. The old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. Your hearts and minds must be made completely new and 
you, circle that word, and you must put on the new self, which is created in God's likeness and reveals itself in the true life that is upright and holy. God has an upright and holy life for you. It's a new life, but you have to put it on. It's your responsibility. It's not God's responsibility. He has a new plan for you, a new self that you're responsible to put on. Some of us got, uh, you know, gifts from Christmas, clothing, and so we put it in our closet. Whose responsibility is it to put that clothing on you? Is it the person that bought you the gift? Or is it the person who received the gift? Isn't it your responsibility? Imagine, imagine if we put it on other people that they were responsible to dress us. Now, some of us do that as husbands. Honey, what should I wear? Does this match? Does this match? That's different. But imagine if, if the people that bought you your clothing, your shoes, your, your T-shirt, whatever, that they had to come to your house every single day to be responsible to put that clothes on you. You know what a, how the house would look? It would be a madhouse. And you would look pretty weird if other people dressed you. In the same way, God is not responsible to put on the new life that he's given to you. It's your responsibility to put that on. God has a closet full of his plans that he has for you and I. And he opens it up and he says, you're responsible to put it on. It's you who put on this new self. God makes it available. But you gotta put in the effort to say, God, you have a life plan for me, for me to grow. I'm going to put that on, whatever it looks like. You may have to get some books and read some books on leadership, books on parenting, books on uh, how, to, how to be a great husband, how to be a great wife, reading the Bible. It's our responsibility to put on that new life. For some of you, this Connecting Conference is going to be a great way for you to put on a new life. That you're saying, boy, I want to be a part of a group of people that will help keep me accountable because it's not, it's not happening right now. I need a group of people. And God designed it that way. It's a life by design. He purposed it like that. You cannot change your life unless you change something every day. And outside of your faith, your decision to grow will impact your life more than any other decision that you will make in your life. I want to encourage you with this. Do something today that you will thank you for tomorrow. That 20 years down the line, you will say to yourself, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you made that decision. And look into the future 20 years. Keep that end in mind and say, what would I need to do today so I do that? And I tell you, you will not be disappointed because God has a new life for you and it's by design. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, you're the only one who has given us this plan. And it's a, it's a great plan. And the interesting thing is every, every person's plan is different. It may involve similar things, but you cater it to each person's life. That's 
that's how you are. That's how magnificent you are. That's how personal you are. That's how relational you are. So I pray as we implement our, our life growth plan that we would, we would reflect not just on 2013, but the things that we've done in our life and yesterday and this week. And, and not so that we can just think of all the bad, but how we can receive instruction from you and then do something about it. Not just decide, but act upon it and obey it. That the plans that we have for ourselves nowhere compares to the plans that you have for us. So help us to replan. And we put our plans on the side so that we can follow yours. And then as we renew, right now, Lord, we renew our commitment with you. And if you're saying, I want to renew my commitment with the Lord today, would you just lift a hand? It's just a, a simple way of saying, Lord, I just want to renew my commitment with you. I don't want to say it and just say words, but I want to really commit my life to you and renew it. Good, good. You can put your hands down. Lord, I would pray that we all would follow you and, and continue in that direction. Thank you for designing our life. And no person's life is the same. But you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for giving us a new life by design. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen, amen, amen.